0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Spill the Watts. For those of you who may be first-time listeners, this is a podcast where we have inspiring and insightful conversations with the best riders and coaches in the UK and across the continent. Today's guest is Giles Drake. Giles was the winner of the 3 Peaks cyclocross race in 2023, which is arguably one of the most brutal races on skinny tires in Yorkshire. Giles has been close to winning this race for the four years previous to this, and his determination and relentless personality got him to the top step of the podium eventually. Winning this race takes an unbelievable amount of fitness, but also a very unique set of skills and a big set of balls. Aside from winning the three peaks, Giles has also won Battle on the Beach, being the only UK winner and won many other races across both cyclocross, mountain bike cross country and even a few on the road. In this episode, Giles will explain about all his multiple previous attempts at winning the Three Peaks, how it all came together in the race in 2023 and what that win really, really felt like to him. We will also talk about his approach to training and what Three Peaks specific work he does we will talk about life outside of cycling how much bread he consumes every day what he gets up to when he's not riding the bike and what he has planned for the future this is an episode i am really looking forward to getting in my teeth into i got to see giles's three peak winning ride first hand this year and it was absolutely astronomical how fast he came past me on a very technical descent without further delay Please welcome, Giles Drake. Oh God, Danny, stay on your bike! And, 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 and you know, uh, your legs are, are burning and you don't want to turn around anymore. And you know, if somebody now attacks, you're going to be like blown out of the water. But you just go, no, I just keep going, just keep going.
1: Tied on the inside, it's the solo on the barrier.
0: Welcome to the podcast. It's a, it's an honour to thank have you on. Thank you very much. No, thank you um, for inviting me on. Uh, what's occurring? What have you been up to today?
1: Today, working. Working like a normal person.
0: What's your day job?
1: Um, I'm uh, an engineering manager. So I look after a, a software development team. For a, a big UK software company, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it's it sounds very dull. Um, it keeps me on my toes,
0: though. Mm. Is it a fairly um, sedentary job? Would you say it allows you recovery time?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm a, I'm at a desk all day, um, and it's. I think it's a nice. It's a mental. It's a mental job that allows you to i I guess it complements cycling i guess is what i'm trying to say because you do all of this physical stuff on outside of uh your day job and then you do all this mental stuff when you're you're actually at a desk thinking about um what you need to achieve um or or whatever so it does it does complement it from that point of view and it certainly i know a lot of people in cycling do have a, a more manual or more physical job um and i've never i empathize but i've never i've never been able to kind of feel those effects because i've always been sat at a desk data uh nine to five
0: i must admit i am um, so before i um sailed the edge uh well scrolling back through the pages in my own diary um way back when i was at uni i i did some building site laboring and uh i was constantly on my feet all day on up and down ladders uh, barrowing stuff around you know proper laborer um and i actually found that i had more energy at the end of the day than i do now when i'm sat in my Sat my ass most of the day. <laughs> um <laughs> but um but now because I know that I make sure that I get my training done early on. But uh I don't
1: know that is such a thing though, isn't it? Like you, yeah. you do become lethargic throughout mm-hmm. the day. Um Definitely. I I certainly I always used to be an evening trainer, um, and it was during COVID that I, I I stopped being an evening trainer and I just I get up and I get it done in the morning now, mm-hmm. and you, you do feel like it, it comes with its own challenges obviously but um it is a, just a, a relief um to not have to think about what you've got definitely. to do after that long day of work definitely
0: especially if it's a mentally challenging yes. job because um, <laughs> you know we know that the mental effects it can be just as tiring as a physical effect sometimes yeah so we're going to come on to your training a bit later anyway but um <laughs> First of all, I'll start off by saying congratulations on winning the three peaks this year. Well, thank Um, you very much. Now, in your social media post after the event, with a photo of you stood on the top step of the podium with a huge smile on your face, you captioned the photo saying, I could say so much about yesterday and the previous four attempts, but for now, just thank you. Now here is your chance. Um I I appreciate this might be quite a long story, but tell us about the previous four attempts and the differences between that and this year which you won.
1: Yeah, well let's <laughs> start. Um so I've been I mean my origin is in mountain biking and it was always my my focus um was cross country mountain biking um and that was what i did with my my racing so late february early march through to september i used to mountain bike um i had a couple of mates that used to dabble in cyclocross locally um and there is that natural crossover and they occasionally did the three peaks and it was this thing that i i was aware of but i always and said no and it, it to a degree it always conflicted with something in the mountain bike season because the mountain bike seasons ran so so late um and it was 2017 i was i don't know i kind of exhausted what my desire to mountain bike and i'd been taking cyclocross more and more seriously um, but I'd always cyclocross and mountain biking, they kind of complement each other. They're not dissimilar in the, in the duration. And, um, I was looking, I guess, at that stage for something different. Um, and rather than just kind of rinse repeat every year, doing the same old stuff, I was looking for different events and, and the three peaks was obviously something I'd always said, I'll do it, but when I do it, I'll do it properly. Um, so. Um 2017 rolls around throw an entry in because there's no guarantee. And, you know, I I think there's a a degree of humility. It's like there was no guarantee I was getting in. I I got an entry Um, and that kind of started the, the, well, that was my origin story on the three peaks Um, and that first year I was confident in my ability as a cyclist. I'm probably over, over, uh, confident when it came to my ability to do well in that race, um, because it's, it's true what they say. It's like, it's, it's an experience that you, you can't, you can't explain until you actually do it. It's like nothing else I've ever done. That first time when you, you come off the road and you're going up Simons fell. Um, and you just met with this wall of grass is something out of this world, to be perfectly honest. And from that very first year, I didn't that, – that first year, I was – I think I was in second place at the top of Wernside. And I was sort of like, this is easy. I think I'll chase – I think it was Paul Oldham. I thought I'll chase him down on Penny again. ain't no thing. Anyway, punctured, uh coming off Wernside, because I, I hadn't really wreckied it. I hadn't thought, oh, this is gonna be, you know, I thought, oh, everybody talks about the first one. This is a this is this is all good. Punched it off Wernside. Um got a, a spare tire a spare wheel or a, a bike, I can't remember, at the bottom. Uh cracked on, Punched it again coming out off penn again um and i think i finished six that year and it was at that point throughout that day it just sort of it didn't go to plan but that entire day i just fell more and more in love with the race and how ridiculous it was and how absolutely like this is this is ludicrous why are we doing this like it was it was something that i'd never never done on a bike before i don't think there's any other race um like it so from that moment it became actually i can do quite well at this and you know if you if you take those those two punches out of the equation this is this is a sure thing Mm. um Obviously, it it isn't. <laughs> and the next year, I came back and I, I had um a little bit of bad luck that year. I broke broke my arm at a, oh, wow. a mountain bike race, national mountain bike race, up in I think it was. Oh no, it was um, it was down south somewhere. I can't remember where it was actually. Mm. But this was this was the the time where I was starting to think mountain biking was getting a bit ridiculous for me. You know, I. I live on the Wirral and it's a lovely place to live but to mountain bike and mountain bike properly it's a I want to say a ball lake but it's a drive it's it's more of an imposition than going out on the road um so I I just wasn't willing or able to to be on the same level technically as the guys that were winning stuff at that stage um and I broke my arm and being an obsessive cyclist i think four days later i was i was on the mountain bike in a cast out riding outside thinking oh it's fine i'll just power on through um and that obviously freed up my schedule to ride my bike a lot um because i wasn't racing and to a degree i felt like oh this is you know i'm i'm fitter than i've ever been because i'm not racing i'm not tapering i'm not doing any of that stuff but Come the time the three peaks happened, I just wasn't in good shape. I just my body had not recovered well. I'd overdone it, and I just wasn't in a great place. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I still finished third. Like it was my best positional performance until in until this year. Um, but I remember on the on Penny Gent catching or just before penny gain catching rob jeb and as we hit penny again i thought okay i'm not catching paul or i'm probably not catching paul but second that's not bad mm. and, and rob jeb dropped me going uphill and i mm. like rob for clarity rob jeb is an amazing bike rider mm. but i didn't expect to get dropped uphill like going uphill's my thing you know? yeah. <laughs> i didn't expect it um so there was a lot of there was there was bitterness there. It was the one year I didn't have any mechanical issues, but I just I just wasn't at the level I needed to be to
0: compete with those guys. Was that second attempt? Sorry.
1: That was my second attempt, yeah. Um and the third attempt was the uh the Lackland Morton year where he came he was doing all his um EF education adventure riding Mm. stuff and he was there so he was he was the show for Mm. that year um and that was the year that i got to the top of ingleborough up top simon fell and the marshal said to me jebby's 25 30 seconds and at that point, like my brain just went absolutely. It just it just lost all sense of reality, and I thought, right, it's on. This is this is a done deal. Like this is this is all I needed, um, and I got confused about which. So I should clarify. Penny, penny, i got basically the summits confused not from a point of view of obviously which one i was on but from a point of view of which direction you go off ah. at the top. so penny Gent is like a, a 90 degree ingleborough it's more like a 180 um and i sort of turned 90 and i went off the side and after a couple of seconds i was like i don't think this is right but you know you're racing you don't necessarily take it all in those those peaks seem to change all the time and i should probably say this was the year well <laughs> the year it seems every year nowadays but um it was just thick mist right. You, you yeah. it was it was 10 meters you could mm. see maybe um so i went off the side after a few minutes i realized i was completely lost um and I had a little garmin watch so i didn't even i couldn't even work out which direction i was going in wow. um eventually found the trail through just listening basically for, mm-hmm. for noise and, and stuff so i lost i don't know 10 12 minutes um got back on the trail thought well that's that's over now um but can't pull out i I need my entry for next year (laughs) Mm -hmm. because at that stage i was like i was so angry with myself um but i cracked on um just it was was a novel experience to be honest because you're just in your own zone um went through that race went through so many people went from i don't know 40th back up to third or Something wow. like that. I think I think it was just behind it, would have just been behind Jebby. Um I think Nick Cray came second that year from yeah. memory. Um but I was I was empty on Penny Gent. I just slid backwards by Lachlan. I caught I caught Lacklin on the road. He sat on me, and then he just dropped everybody like a bad habit up that of hill. Um and obviously I was. I got to the finish there, and I was, I was devastated because I knew, I knew that was the year. That was the legs. Everything was great. There was no mechanical issues. Um,
0: Did you work out the time lost, and if that would have given you the win? Uh, I mean, just, if, you, if, you, if you,
1: if you, I, I mean, it. <laughs> I always said it would, it would always be too soon to talk about this it, until I won it. So I, I guess I can talk about it now. But um, yeah, on time alone, I lost I don't know, 11, 12 minutes and I lost wow. the race by eight. Wow. Yeah. So it was it was a bitter blow. Um But again, it spurs you on because you're like, all you need to do is put it together.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: then last year um it was i ended up fourth i the first time i reached the summit of simon fell with rob um got a puncher going down off ingleborough but nothing too bad it it managed to seal so i was like okay but i was again another sort of rookie mistake was i'm on my bike that i want to be on because there's so much prep that goes into this stuff and and to be competitive you, you need to have the equipment. Mm. Um I was on the bike I wanted to be on which was a a, a double double chain rings low gears the tires I wanted all of those sort of things so I was like it's sealed I'll be okay. Obviously I'd lost a little bit of pressure but I didn't think it was that much. Um and that was the mistake so I got to the bottom carried on on that bike went on the road went past rob hit the bottom of wernside no problem climbed to the top of wernside in first place um rob had closed the gap going off wernside i i punctured so the same tyre so obviously lower pressures just pinched it again yeah um lost had to ride that all the way to the bottom on a front flat oh. um which was interesting hmm. uh got a spare bike managed to get back up to court dave Murfield and will weatherall um got back up in second place and then coming off penny again as uh, another puncher uh just Nick the sidewall and in, in, in the grass at the top and then yeah just ended up riding it riding it down to get another spare bike um all the way down um and then yeah as I say rolled in fourth um and that's kind of my experience is is two mechanical years one real stupid year mm-hmm. <laughs> and one and one that I just didn't didn't have it to, to be brutally honest
0: and I can feel um, with the story, and I'm sure everyone else can as well. That's listening to the podcast can feel a frustration, and can feel this like it's almost like a jug that's getting more full with pressure. And yeah. you know, every year, it's like right, this will be the year. This will be the year, and then finally, it came off.
1: It it is, and I think that's not, now I. I I know the three peaks is a big deal to a lot of people and, and the, the amount of people that have reached out to me afterwards and said well done and and people I don't even really know have been happy to see it, not just from a point of view of they know how much effort I've put into it, but it's nice to see other people winning it. You know Rob Jeb, Nick Craig, Paul Oldham, only people to win it in the last twenty odd years, you know, outside of myself now. Um so I think I know I know what it what it means in the in as a state symbol in in cycling um, but I think I've built it up every year it's just it just built and built and built and the obsession to actually pull it off has mm. has grown and grown and, and you know probably beyond what it should have been mm. um, and if I hadn't have put that pressure on myself or said this is it, this is the year I've got everything right. Etc. etc I probably would have won it sooner if I hadn't put that pressure on myself mm. um, but yeah it, it's absolutely it's been it's a product of my own making for mm. sure um,
0: so was there anything different that you did in your prep for this year or was it all fairly similar? I mean I'm assuming every year you'll learn a little bit more about, where you might want to put extra work in or something like that or changes in uh, your training or your equipment selection was there anything you did different this year or was it just a combination of you know better luck and um no silly mistakes
1: um yeah i mean there is definitely every year it's evolved like the, fir- the first year i did it on the tires that that came on the bike um 33 mils, which obviously are allowed 35s. Um, and right now I'm like this year was the first year I'd run inserts. Um, and I had inserts in every, every set of wheels, you know, um, because Wheelbase sorted me out with some Cush cores. I had some other ones that I I, I use for, for gravel racing. So I was, I had never run those before because I was like, what are they going to do for me? The weight's not worth it etc etc and if i'd run them the year before i'm sure it would have been even better um but that that was the main equipment change i made and i did actually to be fair i stayed on a single ring this year Mm. and ran a ran a 46 big cassette rather than a 40 um just for simplicity um I, i did try to get the double the double is I still think it's probably your best bet, but it's very extreme in terms of you want the big gears for the road, you want the very little gears for going up, probably penny Gent more than anything else. Um so I settled on um from a gearing point of view, knowing that it would work rather than take the risk. Um so every year it evolves. Every year you you have a little bit of knowledge that you go, ah. Oh, you know i'll do that like the yeah. first the first year uh again. Yeah, this is again highlighting my naivety and it's it is funny because i try to say these to people that when they're doing their first year it's like look after your feet mm. and i've never been in so much pain from blisters as i was in that first year because you're a racer i'm there with my carbon sold shoes. Yeah. <laughs> And they're just literally after the ten minutes of going up, and fell. They've rubbed a hole in my heel. Wow. Um, I it, oh, it was, it was, it was, it was horrible. I remember, yeah. I remember just taking my sock off at the end, and and there was just a hole in my, in my heel. It was, wow. it was hideous. Wow. Um, but the, these are the things. It's, it's a race that you do. You, you, very few people, I think, two people have won it in the first year. Yeah. That they've ever done it. And it's I think now especially there's so much equipment and there's so much so many things that you can do to improve your chances that I think it's unlikely that people mm. doing it their first year will will win it because the people who've been doing it for five, six, seven, 20 years have mm. so much more experience and knowledge mm. um that I think it's it's difficult difficult to compete against.
0: So obviously. Uh, Obviously you won the event, so um, you know you'd assume that the day went very well for you, but did it go in your opinion? Was it a flawless attempt from you? What, how did the day go? Was there anything that you could have done better on the day this year or
1: um, I think I mean I I punched punch off the first descent, which seems to I be just a, a normal thing for me, but again, it's sealed. Um, so I was, and I was on insert, so I I could ride it down quite comfortably. Mm. Um, so that is the one part that I thought, oh, not again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but other than that, I guess I was.
0: Sorry to butt in. Is that, um, playing devil's advocate there, is that common or would you say that you punch him more than others? Uh, like would it be foolish to say that you are potentially quite an aggressive descender and find the little
1: i mean i i do i do kind of let it go on the descents but there are there are like gary mack is an insane descender dave murfield is an insane descender um ollie um this year, Dawson. Neck, Ollie oh. Dawson. Sorry, for this. <laughs> I right. feel bad. Um, no, Ollie Dawson. Like his his times. Um, it was Tom Simpson in, in third as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, that, the, that those guys' times down the descents were were so much quicker than mine. Oh really? Um, and some of that is I once I hit Wernside, I knew I knew what I had to do. Um, and I picked my line, and I was cautious, and everything was ninety-five percent. Nothing was hundred percent. Nothing was mm. flat out. Nothing was going to compromise the position I was in, because again, from experience, I know that if I hit penny gain, if somebody catches me on on the wernside descent, it's that's okay. Mm. I can I can correct that. I've got time. But if I flat and somebody catches me, I'm in trouble. Mm. So I. I think I'm, I, I wouldn't say that I'm reckless on a descent, but I think sometimes I make stupid mistakes mm. um, that that aren't necessary. Mm. You know, um, I, I could certainly, and I think that was probably demonstrated on the, on the Penny again, Wernside descent this year. It's like, I don't need to be the quickest because mm. I'm, I, I was already the quickest up the, up um up the ascent so get down get down in one piece um but i think it's some of it's luck of the draw Mm. and they they made an interesting change this year in the rules um to do with assistance for me personally i think it's the right move um obviously it's a difficult one to police um but
0: sorry what was that change
1: the change was, this year, you could only get assistance in two specific areas, which is right. the bottom of Cold Coast and the bottom of Ribblehead, bottom mm. of Wernside. Um, and I think, from a point of view of uh, policing the race, that makes it much easier. Mm. I think it also keeps the spirit of the race mm. quite true, um, because... I wouldn't want to be in a position where no assistance was allowed um, in a race like this. It it comes around once a year. It means a lot to a lot of people. The last thing you want is I've come off Simon fell and, Mm. you know, ripped a mech off or, you know, I've torn a tire. So I can't, I can't do anything about it. Um, And that's your, your race over. And, And some would say, you know, well, that's racing. Um, I think a little bit of assistance, getting bottles and nutrition and stuff is always going to be a necessity in this race. Um so I think having set pit areas, which is, is what they've done, is is absolutely the right move mm. from that point of view. I think it, it does level the playing field a little bit. Mm.
0: You don't um, want the um you don't want the result to be purely down to who's got the most assistance, do you? And and I think that polices it nicely. I mean, I've, I saw you know some people had I don't know who it was, but some people had an uh, someone buzzing around on a motocross bike with like wheels to it. And you know, if you were that rider with that assistance, and he was able to go up the hill on his motocross bike to get to you, for example, and give you that assistance wherever he needed it that's a huge advantage over someone who's just on foot. Um, whereas, yeah, if you've got these two yeah. dedicated places, you've not, you've not got that, that difference. I, I um, think it,
1: I think it was, it was too great previously yeah. of, mm. of where you can get it. And it's kind of implied because everybody congregates in one area and it's, it's kind of implied. This is where you get help. Yeah. Um, and as you, do the race or certainly in previous years that's that's not the case like the the mountain is or the mountains are are, are littered with people with wheels and bikes and and help and and obviously you know it's not against the rules or anything like that it's it's what the race is but Mm -hmm. you know the when the race means more to you and you have the ability to you'll have as much help as you can possibly get out there to ensure Mm -hmm. that you're you're getting the the right result
0: i guess um so tell me um you have you did you race mountain bike cross country this year then
1: uh this year only one okay i did north of england uh, what
0: did um, you do well i guess my question is about what you did in the summer and then when you started your three peaks training this year and and what that kind of looked like
1: um so i didn't race a massive amount this mm. summer and that's been it's a conscious decision you know as I'm, <laughs> i guess i'm getting older um and i'd rather do events that are kind of a little bit quirky or i think oh that's a bit interesting things like battle on the beach which is an awesome event that matt page puts on um down on pembry uh Pembry Beach, if anybody's uh, looking Looks for amazing. an event, highly recommend that one. Um, uh, Dirty Reaver, which is a 200 kilometer gravel race up in. Well, I say it's a race, it's a sportif. Um, but it's it's the most non it's the most competitive, non competitive event I've ever done. All mm. the, all the, this year there was all kinds of gravel pros from Europe and America and everything. It was it was brutal to be said <laughs> It was yeah. Um, it was it was an interesting one this year because it was it, the weather was horrendous mm. um, absolutely horrendous as you can imagine up on on the on the scottish borders um yeah. um and outside of that i think i did the the fred whitten because mm. Wheelbase uh sponsor it um and then just that, that mountain bike race i didn't really do anything else from a racing point of view um and i think that the nice thing for me is in the last couple of years it's not that i want to do that ju- it's all about the peaks mm. um or anything but i want to have that uninterrupted build-up mm. um so it was a conscious decision not to be racing a lot of the time mm. um, because you end up uh even things like doing uh national um mountain bike marathon champs or beyond that um y- you kind of get focused on the result too much and think oh well i want to do well at this and i also want to do well at this and i also want to do well at this and you end up in a situation where your entire year is just looking for peaks yeah mm. um and it's not it's not really possible yeah um, you can be in good shape all year and you can enjoy the racing uh but if you really want to do well at things and the level is so high in in a lot of these races anyway now that it's very difficult to to kind of do that and do that well.
0: Um, it's, it's very easy to focus on the short term, isn't it? And, and I say this to a lot of my athletes who are racing summer road and winter cyclocross, for example, mm-hmm. you know, even though the, with the best intentions, the athletes are saying, oh yeah, the, the summer season doesn't matter. I don't mind about these road races, you know, but that they, if they're self-coached, they still get into this kind of cycle of just, Not doing too much in the week of a road race because they want to be fresh for the road race. And then, if that road race, for example, they they have a DNF or have a mechanical, and then that you know it's not a great weekend anyway. They've 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 missed out on a whole week of any sort of training or quality. Yeah. Um, So you gave yourself a bit more dedicated time for the build up this year than previous years. Then.
1: Yeah, um, I felt. I felt like I the last couple of years I've not raced a lot in the summer. Um, with the purpose of I want to have a good winter season, um, mm. and you know, priorities and just being realistic about it as well. Um and then when you sort of start to hit sort of June and July, you start to think, okay, now's where you've got to add the polish. Cause everything before that is just it's time on the bike and it's going through the the zones if you wanna mm being progressive about that training. um really simple stuff. really simple stuff and just just being um logical with that progression of moving through your your sort of I, w- I want to get a block of endurance generally uh, traditionally I will always go to to Tenerife um in February and and you know it's not that I'm going there for some training camp. I mean we ride our bikes, and we ride our bikes hard every day, but it's more about okay the winter's the winter's been long let's get Mm. some sun and stuff Um, and that just forms the basis of when you come back you can start just working your way through some tempo and get a a decent duration of that in Mm. into some sweet spot into some threshold work and then it's just about essentially holding it but it's it's a difficult balance because you don't want to move through too quickly Mm. Um, and i think that's one of the things that's and i I struggle with it because you every time you get on a bike nowadays i think people think that they need to be doing something incredibly complex or structured Mm. or you know um intricate to to maximize that time and to a degree you know that's true but not not every session needs to be i'm bleeding out of my eyeballs Mm. and i'm you know people don't see value in the same way of going out for a, an endurance ride as they do from doing some 30 thirties or, or yeah, something, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's a struggle is especially with the, the ways whiffed and the turbo trainers are phenomenal. Now, um, every time you're on a turbo, you think, Oh, I should be doing something in a zone, you know, um, or, or some kind of structure. And it's difficult because every, every week you think how much am I spending specific training and how much am I because nobody classes endurance training or or going out for a zone two ride as specific training yeah. it very much is and you can't do one without the other mm. um but it's a mental battle to say to not bring yourself to the the peak or the the bubble too soon when you you're dedicating your whole summer To your winter season,
0: of course. Where does the i mean, we've talked a lot about um, you know, working through the training zones and a lot of the different stuff on the bike. Um, one key factor for the three peaks performances is time off the bike as well, doing Mm. carry work, doing walking up big hills, and so on and so forth. And in the recent podcast with Paul Alden, we talked about the importance of that. Um, Where does that come into it for you? And what do you do in that regard?
1: So funnily, I don't do a mass of it. I don't do a lot of it. Um, I made a conscious effort this year to ensure that I was running once, at least once a week. Um, And that was, I guess, a big change for me this year, because usually you reach a, reach a point of the year and you think, Oh, I better start running. Cyclocross is coming or oh, three peaks is coming. And you think, Oh, I, bet, yeah, I better crack on and do some five K's. And what you do is you, you go out your front door and you, you smash around the five K around your housing estate and you go, yeah, that's pretty quick. Cool. I'll do that again next week. Um, and what I wanted to do was I wanted to be more varied with my running um, because the three peaks is not running whatever people think or or say about it it's not running it's as paul said it is just trudging up a hill um so i wanted to run off road i wanted to do things like that that were a little bit less about how quickly am i doing this but what am i doing in it um so that was the that was a big change for me this year where it was just like just i guess it's like time on the bike but time on your feet um, and then as it gets closer, I start to do more specific stuff of running up, I say running, trudging up steeper hills. Um, but that's probably only six weeks out. You know, I start to do probably six, six specific sessions. And and when I say sessions, they're, they're not sessions. They are, I'm just going to go to, to the Cluids in in North Wales, and I'm gonna I'm gonna walk up that hill, and then I'm gonna walk up that hill, and I'm gonna walk up that hill. You know, and sometimes I'll have my bike with me. Sometimes I'll just be, you know, in trainers. Um, but I think the the most important thing for me with the peaks is is just your engine and your ability to keep going. And also, I think this is probably something that people don't talk about is your body has to hold up to it because the amount of people that just do that first hill and it's similar to the, the, the first year I did it um and I was broken after the first hill, not because my back was in bits or anything like that, because I hadn't prepared my feet, but it's, it's that, if you don't have the strength in your back to walk up three hills, you're, you're going to walk up one and then you're going to be in a position where your, your, uh, your performance is compromised simply through the fact that you are now, absolutely mm. ruined from from walking up a hill so I've always been comfortable with that so I don't need I don't feel like I need to do a lot of it um but I think it's one of those things where it, my body's just become conditioned to, mm. conditioned to do it over the last few years um, and that just being light on your feet I think is that 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 was something that I focused on a lot when I was running. It's more about foot placement mm. for me because the, the parts where you are off the bike, you've just got to be quick on your feet. It's not that you're running. It's that you're putting your feet in the right places and mm. small steps and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah,
0: it's... Going back to the uh, the issue with like that a lot of people have with the strength in the back, I guess... It's about finding your individual sticking point into it. Like, yeah. you know, and, and sometimes you won't know what that is until you've done the three peaks at least once, mm-hmm. you know, you'll, you'll do the race once. And the first ascent you're like, oh, crikey, my Achilles or my back is absolutely in tatters. And then, okay, well, straight away, that's a big sticking point that you need to work on for next year. um but everyone's got a different sticking point like you've said for you your back is never too much of an issue so you don't have to worry too much about that it's foot placement but another person might find the foot placement and light feet absolutely fine but it's the fact that their back gives out 10 minutes into a climb um but um but yeah everyone has a slightly different angle there Mm -hmm. sorry giles moving swiftly on um I think we need to keep you on the straight and narrow to a certain extent sometimes because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like any of these subjects, we could talk for hours on, 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 a, for everything, everything. Um, you mentioned, uh, you often do a bit of a training block or a bit of time in Tenerife. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, I've been told a few impressive stats about you recently. Um, so, I've been told that you have many comms in Tenerife. Um, and if I'm right, you have the full comm up Mount Teed. Um, you also have a 400 watt FTP being able to hold that for about an hour.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, about. No, I mean, yeah, I have. Um, so there's there's a few ways up td a, a tady however you want to say it um so there's there's the main way up from Los Cristianos and, and Los americas which is where the the, the tourists generally mm. congregate for party season uh all the way up to the top um and that's about 32 kilometer climb uh not a not a second of descent in it i don't think mm. Um, and I, I got that a few years ago. Wow. Um, and then the, the following year I thought, oh, well, maybe I could do it quicker. So I did it again, um, and took some time off that. Um, and I couldn't face doing it again, but I thought I'll go, I'll go for a less known route. So there's one out of, um, a, a town that we stay in, which is a really nice sort of seaside windsurfing town mm. called El, uh, El Medano. Uh, so I went from there to the top. And I also have the KOM on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, as far as the FTP, yeah, I, I guess it is in that ballpark. Um, I think on that, that uh, from memory, I think that effort, which is an hour and a half, mm. uh, was 380. Wow. Uh, f- yeah, 380.
0: Um, so I don't so- know if you're happy to disclose or not. What, what's your body weight, to put this into perspective?
1: uh right now it's about 65 66
0: wow that's uh astronomical
1: yeah when you talk about it like that i should win more things right
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean you, you, you hear numbers like that and you i mean i as a sports scientist think well yeah, you've won three peaks and it's incredibly obvious that you've gotten an, an immense amount of power to put through the pedals, but would that not be better done? Like, you know, I guess if you were striving for results, you'd be like, okay, well that's, you know, that's like, you'd be looking for like time trialist or, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, the three peaks is one, through strength on a bike, of course, but there's so many other factors that you've got to consider, mm-hmm. which you're also incredibly good at. But with numbers like that, you'd be thinking, well, you know, maybe there's a different discipline which you could kind of shine in even more. So, um, yeah,
1: yeah, I guess so. And a lot of people have said that to me and, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, um,
0: but it's doing what you enjoy, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is it. It's if you don't enjoy time trialing, um, then there's no point in doing it. It's no. like, victories are hollow if you if you don't enjoy the process oh. and, and, and whatnot. So um I, I think it's one of those things where I'm kind of even UK road racing I'm, I'm not particularly suited to like I can I can go away in a breakaway mm. and I can go all day um at a high pace and I you know I have one I've won road races doing that. Um but the way the UK scene is, it's, it's much more about explosive power, yeah. short bursts and efforts to establish things. And it's the same in cyclocross, you know, in many ways, it's, it's a terrible sport for me. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a really poor choice of a sport to focus on, <laughs> um, based on my attributes. And I get, uh, an unrelenting amount of crap for my starts and my ability to, to go from front row to, 35th or something like that and then try to make my way back to the front throughout the duration of a race um but that that is it you know it's like we all have strengths and weaknesses i guess and and you just play the hand that you dealt um sure and time um, and t- I- time i think has become a bit of a it's an arms race isn't it in terms yeah. of uh it's not about raw power like it once upon a time potentially was it's it's more about how you can position yourself and how much time you can dedicate to it. And I I just don't, I don't feel like I would enjoy that process in the slightest.
0: For sure. I am, I'm very much the same as you there anyway. Um, I just don't have the numbers to do any good in either. So So I've been told that, I mean, you know, we talked about those crazy numbers and, and the results that you've got, but I have been told by some sources that you were a bit of a late bloomer. Um, you weren't that amazing at cycling from the get go. Um, so you've clearly worked very hard to get to the cyclist that you are today. Tell me about those early years. Like how was, I was awful. I was awful. Awful, awful,
1: awful. Um, yeah, I was, um, I mean, I started in mountain biking. So when I was, I don't know, 12, 13, um, and I was, the best i could probably muster was a podium at like a midlands regional you know like late season once um the all the keen people had stopped turning up all the time um but yeah i was re- up until i was maybe 19 i was i was so small i was so weak i was so yeah i was i was an awful rider and it, it was it was it got to that point where you go from junior which was kind of ridiculous because these were this was the the days where you've got your your lean cleans coming through um so they were they were making you know grown men look uh foolish as as 17 year olds um you reach that point and i i actually stopped cycling or certainly competitively when i was about 19 because it 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 was I was so bad at it in terms of the racing side of it. I wasn't, I I wasn't capable of getting results and it was kind of miserable. The thought of being gone, put up from sport to expert and because that's the way the ranking works. If you, if you race a bunch, you'll get promoted. I just thought I can't face that. I can't face getting my head toed in every week. So I stopped. Um, it was only probably, maybe it was 23, 24, where, um, I came back to it because somebody said, oh, we're doing mountain mayhem and we need somebody else to ride. You know, do you want to, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, and that kind of brought me back to, oh, I actually do enjoy this. Um, and I, the net, the following year, I started racing mountain bike again, just in the sport category and. It, this was the thing that so by the end of that year i'd got some kind of result that was vaguely motivating and the following year um did i go in sport i think i think i must have i won the the sport national championship so the sport isn't a national championship race or um, at least yeah wasn't then but the race at the national championship i won that race and then obviously i went on to expert and again didn't do particularly great until the last race of the season which historically there was a gap between the fourth race after the national champs and the final race of the season and i must have just spent that time just on the road training just loads of hours loads of hours and it brought me on so much that i i actually want to I won the last race of that season. and then that was the motivation that carried me through all winter mm. to then come back the next season and be an expert and win every race. Mm. And it was just I was a product of did just sticking at it. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't what I would say glamorous or or particularly mm. scientific. It was just I'm going out on the bike, I'm gonna do five hours, I'm gonna hit every hill as hard as I can. <laughs> um, and that's what I did for that winter. You know, it was just hours, 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 and just volume. And mm. by the end of it, I just sort of evolved. Obviously, it's probably made me what I am today, which is a uh, a person who can do 400 watts for an hour, mm. but don't ask me to do 500 for a minute. because. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah and that that's that's kind of it so it's like it's it's the one thing i would say to anybody who is uh and i do say to to sort of kids that are struggling at at that age it's like it doesn't have to happen when you're a junior i know i know the way it is these days with your pogachas and your
0: Mm.
1: your pigcocks and your you know all of these like young bloomers that are literally winning world tour races at 18 Mm. it doesn't have to happen then it can happen later. you just got to stick at it.
0: Mm, I like that. No, it's a bit of nostalgia there actually, because um, when those years where you were saying you were winning expert mountain bike um, nationals, like that's when I was kind of scraping a couple of top fives and whatnot, but I was the complete polar opposite to you. So I was like, my my minute power and so on has always been good. So I, I, I was always like, whole shot or top three um and then i would just go steadily backwards and backwards throughout the entire of the race um but yeah i regularly remember seeing your name at the top step um we're going to go swiftly on to a bit more kind of normal life stuff life outside of cycling um so we've talked a little bit about about your day job um -hmm. how do you i mean this coincides with training but what is your morning routine then because i've been told that you wake up at five o'clock every morning regardless of what you're doing um take me through a typical morning midweek what does giles drake get up to
1: uh okay so yeah up at 5 a.m um first thing is coffee
0: um what is your coffee of choice at five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning?
1: Uh it's it's not quite espresso. It's not quite Americano. It's like a little little short short uh sort of one-to-one ratio of coffee and water.
0: Um how do you make that coffee?
1: Uh I have a ECM uh espresso machine. So wow. it's my it was my it was my COVID investment, shall we say? It was the can't do anything else so i might as well spend some money on coffee um (laughs) yeah so i never before that i never realized what coffee was and how intricate it is and how absolutely insane it is that the levels people go to to make coffee (laughs) Uh, so it's become a bit of a you know i wouldn't say i'm i'm obsessive about it but i do i do get mildly upset when your partner
0: would say you're obsessive about it (laughs) yes she would she would
1: (laughs) she can't be that upset because she does get coffee in bed pretty much every day so all right fair enough um she can't be that upset um yeah so so finally um,
0: you have your espresso yeah
1: yeah um at the moment i'm learning a bit of spanish so uh that was that was born out of you know i do love tenerife i do love spain um and i always feel a little bit awkward kind of pointing and and gesturing to what I want off the menu so I thought well if I do a little bit every day I'll become I'll become all right at it um so I do a little bit of that every day um after that I'll just do the you know the modern thing and check in on social media or emails or whatever um and then uh probably six six a.m it's Okay, if I'm whatever training I'm doing, I'll, I'll do that then.
0: So have um, you eaten before this or?
1: Oh yeah, sorry. Um, yes, uh, I, I just yeah, I'm a I eat a lot of bread. A lot of <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you probably knew this was going to come up. How much bread do you have in the morning before training?
1: Uh it's probably it do, it does kind of vary, but it's probably maybe six slices of <laughs> toast (laughs) in the morning Yeah, yeah. yeah do you know what it is though like i've tried and i've tried and i've tried to get on board with like muesli and porridge and all it does is just make me feel horrible it just gives me heartburn it's like every time i go to like i don't know whenever i went to tenerife i'll be like no i'm gonna have porridge i'm gonna be well fueled and i just get heartburn and i i just miserable for two hours trying to shift this porridge off me um and toast just it just works like i will i will happily eat bread so what is your
0: on. bread of choice
1: oh it does, does it again it does vary there is a there is a really good bakery um that's in in north wales and that they do they do a top loaf um uh but it's it's in a uh, town called Borgwyn that used to claim to be the highest village in wales but turns out they were lying hmm. <laughs> apparently um but that's a really good loaf but generally it would be you know Warburtons or roberts is is the general thing that is stocked so generally
0: what we're we going for like a a whole meal seeded type of thing or white white loaf uh, it's
1: generally white
0: is it mm-hmm. yeah Butter? Um,
1: no mm, sometimes butter not often more jam, jam strawberry jam right i'm so basic so I am bothered.
0: astonished you get through six slices. That is absolutely <laughs> madness. Okay. Um, so you have but that what,
1: like... will not be happy with me, you... <laughs> I mean look
0: it, I can't, I it clearly works for you. Um and it's certainly gonna fuel that morning morning ride. Um so so what time are you on the bike for then, roughly? Uh
1: generally six. Generally six, quarter past six. I'll be on the bike um and it, it varies in sometimes it'll be two hours sometimes it'll be you know hour hour 10 you know hour 15 it's not it's not
0: middle middle of winter well this time of year then at that time of year obviously still be dark ish mm-hmm. so do you opt for indoors at this time of year or do you get outdoors regardless
1: uh generally it's indoors um again it just the tools are so good now that it doesn't feel like an imposition like it it once upon a time did to to jump on the turbo um and especially if you're doing a session it's kind of like I know I'm not going to get cut up by a car I'm not going to have to find you know um a hill or um you know be mid interval and then come to a junction or or whatever it may be so generally if if it's anything specific it will be on turbo um and if i can get out i do but in the winter it's 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 just easier um you know it's it, you don't have to clean your bike you don't have to worry about mm. putting on tons of layers yeah. all that sort of stuff and it's not you know as i say it's i'm there for a kind of a purpose mm. um you know especially when it's just a, a session like there's nothing more that nothing i love more than than getting out and riding for five hours mm. into wales you know um at the weekend but when it's training and you're doing an hour, two hours at the most, it, it's kind of like get it done um, and be efficient about it. Mm-hmm.
0: So this time of year, we're in the middle of the cross season now or well into the cross season. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume you will have at least one midweek, potentially more midweek kind of interval-based sessions that you might do. Yeah. Um, what is a typical... Midweek interval session that you might do.
1: Um, so at the moment, I'm kind of, I'm kind of focusing on less above threshold and more in that region of threshold. Um, so what did I do this week? Um, this week I did six, six, six times seven minutes at mm-hmm. threshold um so that's that's like a kind of i don't want to say a gimme session but it's a it's a nice rewarding session Mm. um the other session i do is i i I kind of try to do um some form of sprint if you want to call it that for 30 seconds into some form of sustained pace Mm. and that may be uh 30 seconds into five minutes at threshold or it may be 30 seconds into five minutes above threshold or sorry probably not five minutes but you know mm. uh, there's a sort of 30 seconds two minutes 30 seconds two minutes session that i do um and that's just trying to condition that cyclocross mm. effort sustained effort sustained um and yeah i kind of just alternate through that i do um i found that for an activation ride, sweet spot, and just sort of three or four ten-minute blocks of sweet spot kind of gets me my legs working. Um And yeah, that I, I it's kind of basic, you know. I, I don't I don't try to make it too complicated. If I'm what honest. kind of
0: weekly volume are you on at the minute in middle of cross season?
1: Um Volume at the moment will be it's probably 10, 10, to 15 hours. Pretty, pretty really, difficult. And that's, that's including, including racing and that it does. It yeah. does vary. It depends on what day. The, the nice thing about national trophies at the moment is that they've moved the elite race to Saturday. So you've mm. kind of got this blank canvas of the Sunday where you can, yeah. you can kind of just go out and, and enjoy and the weather's not been too bad recently. So mm. you can kind of bump your numbers there. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's not crazy numbers and I, that's certainly something that i've changed in the last couple of years you know and, and some of that's you know having a, uh, a a girlfriend that that cycles and enjoys that too fion like i i, I don't want to just say right i'm off i'll, I'll see mm. you in six hours you know you amuse yourself you know mm-hmm. so I, I try to be um more conscious of that than i probably once upon a time was mm. when it was well I don't need to think about um, getting home or uh, anything like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I as I say, I, I love a long ride, but I don't do them as often as a as a once upon yeah. time did.
0: Um, so I was going to go into some kind of more quick fire questions. Um, so these some of these questions have been submitted by viewers listeners of this podcast and some of them are just random questions um there's some quite strange ones which i <laughs> have no idea what it is so you might have to elaborate a bit and explain why they're asking this um as you can see one... I,
1: cl- I clearly have a lot of um, very very um, understanding friends who yes. just see any opportunity to embarrass <laughs> me
0: the first one was about your bread consumption. Someone who uh, just yeah. says, "How much bread do you have per day?" So <laughs> you have six slices for breakfast. I'm really intrigued. Do you have more in the day?
1: Uh, it does. It does depend, but yeah, yeah. I w- it it will depend. Like I will. I will generally repeat that at some point during the day, whether that's in the evening or whether it's at, like uh, before training. If I was going out in the
0: evening or something like that. So, I will... do, dare I say, have you ever got through like a loaf a day?
1: Oh, probably. Yeah. Well, actually, there's no probably about it. It's almost certainly.
0: And there is another question about the bread consumption. How much bread did you have to win the three peaks?
1: How much bread did I have to win the three peaks on that day? Uh, yeah, it would have been. It would have been six six slices in the morning. So there you go, kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you'll um you'll be supporting uh, Warburtons anyway this year. Well, this um, is,
1: I would like sponsorship from them to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it would save me some money.
0: So, uh, next question: Are you doing Fred Whitten again next year?
1: Uh, to be honest, I don't know, but probably yes. Um, I feel, I mean, Wheelbase support it, and it's a it's a cracking route. I think it can be a little bit unnerving at times uh it's a lot of people on very narrow roads but i'll say yes
0: i had a quick look you got sixth um and you averaged like 20 mile an hour for that incredibly lumpy 110, 120 miles or whatever it is um I'd have loved just have seen your Strava file. I'll have tried to have a dig through the archives. That'll be a, a hell of a ride.
1: Yeah, um, I got well and truly um, done on that one. To be honest, do
0: you it's, think? Do you think um, a win might be possible? I mean, I, I don't want to call it a win because again, it's class 40. Well, but I was
1: I was fastest the year before.
0: How were you? Yeah, All right.
1: so I did it in. I did it in a similar time. I think I think I did it in 5:30, which was a which was a course record at the, at the time. Wow. Um. And obviously I went back the following year thinking I can go under 530. There was a there was a couple of uh, very good riders obviously thought we'll have a bit of that. Hmm. So we were, we ended up going round as a group. Um I myself and um another guy from Wheelbase, Tom Armstrong, doing the majority of of pulling, shall we say. Um, and my lights went out something rotten on on hard knot. Uh, they were I was in a bad place trying to grind up that that um, as it everybody else just sort of potted off into the distance. I was uh, I was in a very, very dark place but um, I think I'll be back next year uh, give it another go.
0: A bit of a side of side question. I don't want this podcast all to be about bread, but do you um, <laughs> obviously you've got your sports nutrition products, but do you take like slices of bread? While you're out on rides and races,
1: uh, n- generally not. I have I have have done things like that, mm. um, but generally not. No, uh, like racing. Ali, the the thing that I'll eat with racing, especially with with elite racing, because of the times and stuff, it's really difficult to eat something proper. Mm. So I tend, to, especially with cyclocross, I just eat cold rice pudding. I'm really coming about across badly here, aren't I? <laughs> no, no, that's
0: but, a pretty typical one. I've heard that many times before. Yeah, but,
1: the reason uh, I ask yeah. is
0: that I—I I mean, on training rides specifically, not races, but quite often, if I'm just about to head out the door on a two or three-hour ride, I will literally just grab a couple of slices of bread, fold them up with some peanut butter and jam in them, and stick them in the back pocket in some cling film because it's nice and easy, it's cheap, and yeah. you know you're getting a good dose of carbohydrates in there. Yeah. Um, so I thought with your love of a bread, you might have done the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, you know
1: what, do you know what? It's a combined. It's a combined love of bread with a hatred of having things in my pocket.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: I hate bulky pockets. No, I, I do. Yeah, I, I can't stand it. So, sure. um, I'm pretty basic with the with the nutrition on the bike. Yeah. It's maltodextrin in the in the bottles generally. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, mm. You know, a couple of cereal bars.
0: Definitely. What uh, do you prefer? The nickname Drakey, or <laughs> El Septico, if I pronounce that right.
1: <laughs> El Septico, yeah. So, um, so Drakey is the origin is a, is from a guy that we stayed uh, a mate of mine. Well, a mate of mine know, knew a guy who lived in Barcelona, um, and we went out there on a, on a you know a, a, a cycling holiday and riding around there is spectacular. But that that's where Drakey came from, and I hated it. I really hated it. I just thought it just it just grated on me so much. It's now just stuck and it's it's everywhere. Um, <laughs> el septico comes from. He um, comes from Tom Brazier. He he just said you really are a septic little man, and it was obviously it was off the back of me being a horrible human being to him on some ride, and he says you are a septic little man, and obviously with the the Tenerife thing and the the mm-hmm. Spanish, it just became el septico. Um, so I'll go with El Septico because it implies I'm a horrible person to my friends.
0: Are you doing the National Hill Climb Champs this year? I am, yes. Wow. Yes. Is this first year doing it? Second year. Okay. I did it
1: last year as well. Um, yeah.
0: Next question is What is Thrempo? Now, uh, I'm going to. I know nothing about this, but I'm going to make my guess. Is okay. this like um an effort which is somewhere between threshold and tempo
1: that is a pretty good assessment it is it is a constant state of uncomfortable
0: okay uh is this because you ride like that a lot of the time on rides or
1: uh what i certainly used to yeah um it was uh thrempo was a, an invention of of a friend of mine well and sort of myself um uh roy davis he's a he's a he's a character if anybody has ever met him um uh Tempold and thrempo was his was his invention <laughs> and thrempo stuck uh so someday i hope for a world tour rider to be being interviewed on Eurosport and just say, yeah, I just just kept it. Kept it, tempo.
0: <laughs> it, I like it. I, I like the name. <laughs> what tyres did you run for Three Peaks and Pressures?
1: Uh, WTB Crossboss. Mm. Um, they're kind of a... Uh, I think they're quite an old tyre, really. They're kind of square, but they've mm-hmm. got a bit of a bite to them, so you've got enough grip. Um, pressures, 34. 35, I think I ran in the end at uh, uh, the um, suggestion of Lewis Craven. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, wow, that's pretty low. It, I mean, I'm assuming because of the um, the uh, crush calls wow. and whatnot.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can you can get away with it. Um, like historically, I've run 45, 50, and it's um, it rattles you something mm. rotten. Um, yeah, and you know, go back a few more years and people were running. 80 psi in, mm. in tubed,
0: uh,
1: 32 mil tires. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, it's as I say, it's it's still a mental race, but it's it's easier to do today than it was ten years ago.
0: What's your favourite descent in Three Peaks?
1: Penny it's, wow. just, it's a It's a mountain bike descent. It's okay. it's it's fast. It's fun. It's predictable. Um, sides horrendous, it's just so rough and it's there's no rhythm to it. And uh, Ingleborough, Cold Coats is just that is so unpredictable. There's mm. so many bogs, there's so much grass, it's so slippy. It's the one it, I guess Penny Gent is just fun. Mm. Um, and yeah,
0: what madman logic is there behind a hundred mile pre race ride? um so how often do you do this
1: uh not very often anymore um but it used to be i I used to always do it Um, really and the main reason was i used to tell myself that i go better off it and i think that's obviously not true really um but The one thing that it does do is you can kind of mentally say, I did a hundred miles yesterday. It doesn't matter what happens today, you know? And it's also that thing, which we talked about before, where you spend all week tapering for something. You've given up your Saturday and you punch her or it Mm. doesn't go to plan. It's like, well, that was a waste of a weekend. Mm. At least I could turn around and say, well, I had a nice ride yesterday. Mm.
0: Mm. I do. You know what? I can, I can understand where you're coming from um i always used to race really good if i had a double race weekend if i I used to race well on the sunday if i'd raced on the saturday and physiologically and everything it doesn't make sense but um it was almost like an incredibly incredibly severe pre-race activation my legs like hurt but it was like a numb numb pain yeah Um, and like I don't know. And again, mentally i knew that I'd already done a race. So I was a bit more relaxed going into it and so on. And there's all these yeah. little nuances, which really, really help.
1: I definitely think it's the mental side for me.
0: I agree. It's mm. kind of
1: just, it just loosens you up and mm. it, you're not hyper analyzing anything. Mm. You're not saying, Oh, I felt bad on that effort, mm. you know? So that was always my thinking behind it. It wasn't necessarily the smartest thing to do, but
0: mm. I get it. What's next? What are your next big goals?
1: Um I don't really know. I mean National Hill Climb Champs is is next um next weekend. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a goal. Um I kinda after the after the peaks I was I just I haven't I haven't been like oh now it's time to refocus mm. on something so I can't you know that the guys that do it they, they specialize so much in it that um, I'll be happy with whatever I get out of that. Um, but the the immediate goal is just continue the form that I've had at national trophies thus far. Um, generally, I'm a slow starter in in national trophies, and I've had two top tens. Mm. In very good fields so far, so I've, I'm I'm hoping that I can get a top five by the end of the year if the if the conditions are right and and national champs national Brilliant. cross champs um, will be the next big goal. Uh, beyond that, I'm getting into veteran status, so you know maybe <laughs> maybe a, a veteran national championship will be what I'll look at at some point. But I, I almost feel like I shouldn't. I should just keep keep racing elite until I can I really can't anymore
0: (laughs) Callum Brown our last podcast guest left you a question he didn't know who he was asking this to and I'll ask you to do one of these for the next guest as well at, at some point he asked you have two options Number one is stick with cycling. Number two is permanently switch to another randomly selected Olympic sport, but with a ten percent performance boost. Which would you choose?
1: I mean, cycling. I, you that.
0: I can yeah. feel. I can feel your <laughs> passion and infuse them for the sport and how much you just love it for the sport itself. Whereas some people fall on it. Because that's what they found as a kid, but they they thrive off the competitiveness of sport yeah. in general. Yeah, but very, you are a cyclist through and through.
1: Yeah, there's there's I, I always said like COVID highlighted this to me. There there is kind of three types of people in in cycling. There's people that are cyclists and they will continue to ride whether there is racing or there isn't. There is people that will stop riding if there is not racing. And then you've just got the middle ground that kind of do both, but there is there is a clear there is a clear subsection of of people who do it because they enjoy the racing, not because they enjoy cycling. Um, but yeah, for me, it's you could take racing out of my life, and I'd, I'd still ride a bike.
0: Giles, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. It's been a real pleasure. It's been great to get to know you, your background learn about your training styles your love of bread and to hear about all your experiences training and racing so far congratulations again on your three peaks win uh, getting that eventually and also your many other fantastic results along the way i wish you the very best of luck in the national next weekend and for the rest of the cross season racing against all the young whippersnappers um <laughs> but um but yeah thank you very much
1: No, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: It's been a pleasure, Giles. Cheers.